You know, it's really something to be in the will of God and to know you're in the will of God. And I feel like it's been so busy for me. I'm 66 years old, and it seems like this is the busiest time of my life. And I was so frustrated yesterday because I had a bad sink, I had a bad faucet, and I, I got my sink out, got my new sink in, and the trap would not go into the top of the, the bowl. And I, I was so frustrated. And I came here to help Bruce and uh, Dave yesterday hang some soffits. And I was just so frustrated with not being able to get something accomplished. Ever, have you ever liked that where you, you're trying to get something accomplished and you're busy and you just can't get things done? It it's just can be so frustrating. And especially as Christians, we get frustrated because we think, hey, come on, God, I'm doing everything I know you want me to do. I'm in your perfect will. Why can't this thing come together? But I knew in my heart uh, God hadn't left me. And I think we need to know that. And I have, a, I have a, like a hot appetizer today. This is First Chronicles 12.32. It says, Of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. And I feel like God wants us to have an understanding of the times and to know what we're supposed to be doing. There are so many distractions, and the enemy is in a lot of distractions, but if you are serving God, if you are in relationship with Christ, you must be in the center of God's will. You must be uh, have an understanding of your life, and we're going to talk about inheritance today and what God has for you, and it just made me think of this one person. And this person's been dead for probably 18 years or so, but this person, um, they, they were a backslidden uh, Christian. They were heavily involved with uh, N.A. They had gotten saved, and uh, he, you know he had just drifted from the Lord. And his girlfriend was working with Dory at the caring center where she was over a caring center, which they fed and clothed people in San Jose. And she would come and work, and she really came to God. And she was having seizures and everything, and she got healed of seizures at a woman's retreat. They prayed over her. She started manifesting. She had grand mal seizures. She had been pushed down by an old boyfriend and hurt her, her head, and she was just miraculously healed. And to this day, she, this girl has no, no problems. But uh, she really got convicted, and, and her, her uh, boyfriend got so convicted, he came back to the Lord, and he said, you know what, until we get married... Um, I'm going to sleep on the couch and you sleep in the bedroom. Just really conviction came upon him so strong. He was an incredible young man. And um, he just we just watched him grow. We were, it was our pleasure to work with him for a few years and see him grow. He was very evangelistic. He was so hardcore where he would work with NA people. But if they weren't serious, he wouldn't have nothing to do with them. But if they were, he'd get them into being, uh, becoming Christians and getting strong with the Lord because he realized only the power of God could change their lives. And um, when we came down here, uh, he... He, he would come down once a month to our men's meeting. And I remember the last time I saw him. He would ride his motorcycle down here. I remember the last time I saw him. I, I, as I said goodbye to him, I just thought, man, he's so vulnerable on that motorcycle going home. And then just two, two and a half months later, I, I just got a call at night that he had been killed on his motorcycle. This man had an understanding of the times. He came back to God, and he was so strong in his commitment to God. He was so involved in the things of God. 
He put God as a high priority in his life. He told me, well, he told his wife the morning he dropped her off because she worked at Christian Community Academy where Dory worked and our kids went at, at our church had a school. And he dropped her off and he just said, I just want to tell you something. I'm so excited about God. I have things I want to tell you tonight when I come home from work. He had plans where he wanted to relocate right close to our church in the neighborhood. They were doing outreaches. He was so on fire for, for people to get saved. He was so on fire for God. He had an understanding of the times. He knew what God was doing, and he knew what God had put on his heart. But little did he know that that night he would die and go home to be with the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I think God is calling us as believers to have an understanding of the times. We don't know how long we have to live. We don't know what the future holds for us. But we are, we are walking in the center of God's will. And we are fulfilling God's will. I tell you, we are going to have a great reward. God is going to bring great fulfillment in our lives. And just like this man, even though he didn't fulfill what God had put on his heart, I know he fulfilled everything that was going on in him. I remember Paul when he was saying, I've finished my race. I've completed my course. He knew he had accomplished everything he was called to do because what his commitment to Christ had so changed and transformed him, his priorities had become realigned that he knew what God wanted him to do, and he did it. Like that word Dory said today, if you're in compromise or distractions, I feel like God is saying to us today to get an understanding of the times, that God has the best for us. He has a lot for us. But things of this world, they, they seem to change our attitude and change our priorities. I want to talk about inheritance today. I feel like uh, when Dave talked about it two weeks ago, I felt like it, it was a confirmation what God was just showing me that, that I'm supposed to talk about inheritance again. The definition from the, just the web is a legacy, an endowment, a birthright. And if you accept Jesus Christ, you get a new birthright. There's something happens inside of us, and only when you accept Christ you begin to understand what that is. There's such a transformation comes because the Holy Spirit actually comes and lives inside of our hearts and changes the way we think, changes our priorities, changes some, sometimes even changes the things that, that we partake in, changes us. And whatever He changes us with, there's something He adds to us that cannot compensate for what we gave up. Also, part of that definition is an estate. God has an estate for us. Some of you may have experienced uh, having someone leave something to you, but there's an estate. When you think of eternity, I, I think like really when I think of this natural life, it's a vacation. And maybe some of us have had bad vacations. Ever had a bad vacation? <laughs> maybe you could think of your life down here. I'm having some bad vacation here. But if you could think of this life as a vacation, compared to eternity, time that doesn't end with a life that's going to be so fulfilling with God and satisfying that we can't even imagine a thousand years on earth with him and then he's going to make a whole new heaven and a new earth and a new universe. We cannot even comprehend. The little pleasures we get out of this life are something. But think of the God who gives us pleasures here and things that we enjoy. Can we not imagine what he has in the future? If he sent his son for us, can't we get a little inkling that whatever goes on after this life is going to be a lot better than the little things I'm hanging on to right now? And I don't know about you, but just a few years ago, I was in my youth. Now I'm an old person, and I, I'm hurting. 
Oh, that I could be young again. You know, there's some things in an inheritance we have to wait for. And in Christ, we have initially, we have salvation in Him, forgiveness of sins, and God starts working in on us. But there's things as you begin to grow in Christ and you get a wisdom and revelation about inheritance in Him, there's things you're waiting for. There's things you're uh, having to trust God in. And you know what? Dory gave my story a little bit, you know. I knew I wanted to get married, but I knew, because I was a Christian from such a young age, I knew I could pick the wrong person, and I wanted the person God wanted me with. And so I had to wait 10 years. People made fun of me at work, said different things about me, and I, I said, hey, I'm just waiting for the right person. And you can wait for the right person. God can give you grace, even over, over your sexuality, to wait. It's just the grace of God. Another definition of inheritance. This is from the Greek-English lexicon. A share or a portion. There's a portion that God has for you that no one else is going to get. You're unique. He looks at you as an individual. He cares about you as an individual. You know, sometimes we see someone else get something and we think, oh, we envy them. Why don't I have that? You don't want that. You don't have the grace for that. But who you are and how God loves you, there's a unique inheritance for you. There's a unique portion for you that no one else is going to get. A portion which a person has been assigned or granted. Things that God has chosen for you. It says the Holy Spirit has unique gifts for each person that he's assigning to you. Why? Because he knows how God made you. He knows the design. He knows your future. He knows the prophetic destiny that you have. He knows the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life. I am so happy that you guys are on the front row. So he's assigned and granted us a part, a share you know, sometimes that sounds like that much. You only get a share? I tell you, God's share is a big portion. It's more than enough. It's more of a destiny than you could possibly fulfill on your own or in your own time. But it's a portion. It's a share among those who are sanctified. And that's a biblical word, just meaning being set apart. When you accept Christ, he's the one that comes in and starts changing things. He's the one that starts rearranging your life. And you know, sometimes it's frustration because, because when we accept the Lord, the true part of us that's supposed to be living comes alive. That part of our spirit, which is dead, because we're born in sin, the sin of Adam passed upon us, and we're separated from God. Our spirit is dead to God. But when we receive Jesus, our spirit is made alive. It's almost like you come out of being crippled, and you have this God part coming in and filling your spirit, and you now have this God conscious where you're aware when God is speaking. And there's a wrestling sometimes that goes on because in your natural, you've lived your life your own way, but now you have this new part awakened, and it wants to make some choices. It wants to have some input, and there's this war that goes on. And you could read that in Romans. It talks, Paul talks about this war now. I'm alive in you, but now I have this war going on. The things I want to do, I can't do. The things I don't want to do, I do them. What's going on? But don't get up frustrated. It's part of being alive, that you have this new part being activated. And so in this place... There's a desire that begins to come. There's, there's a whole new uh, inheritance that becomes unfolded to us, and our heart starts going after it. And that's what happened to those 12 disciples. They met Jesus, and they, wanted, they left everything to follow Jesus. 
no guarantees. So fishermen, there was no guarantees that there was going to be anything that's going to satisfy or make a living for them anymore. But they followed Jesus. They bought into that spiritual thing that happened to them when they met him. Mention the word lot. The definition is a piece of land or a portion of something. Again, I hope you get excited. This message is going to come with homework. And your homework is going to be getting with God in prayer and saying, God, what do you have for me? Maybe some of you are in this place of stalemate and stagnant, and you're just living your life, but you know deep down inside there has to be more to life than this. And I'm telling you, just start taking a few minutes every day, realign your priorities, begin to open the Word, begin to read in the New Testament and say, God, what is this all about? What do you have for me? Awaken, awaken my destiny. Awaken in me an inheritance that's mine. God, give me something more to pursue and live for than just my daily routine. All of us have a unique inheritance from our family, our race, our looks, our genetic limits, all from uh, heritage from our parents and our forefathers before us, those people who had input into our genes. But all of us have different inheritances. As those who believe in Jesus Christ, we are concerned about receiving our spiritual inheritance. Remember last week's message? Don't settle. Don't settle for what you have. And if you feel like you are flowing with God and you feel like you're beginning to see some of your inheritance unfold, you sisters, Kay, Althea, don't settle. There's a great inheritance for you. You've just begun to start going that way. I tell you, God has so much more for you. And if you're one of those persons that feels like, yes, yes, I'm, I'm seeing my inheritance, don't settle. Begin to be a little greedy and say, God, I want more. God, I want more. And Jesus said to those who have more will more be given. Why? Because they have this appetite that's insatiable for the kingdom of God. They want more of what God has. They want all that that God has. And they seek God and they pursue God and they ask God. And they ask God over and over again, give me, give me, give me. Ask, Jesus said, and keep asking. Don't quit knocking. It's going to be open to you. Our key verse for today is Acts 26, 17 and 18. And I just love how David uh, Sell, when he taught about this a couple weeks ago, how he just open this verse up and how this is a, the third time that Paul tells his story, but it's unlocked in verse 18. At Paul's initial encounter with Jesus Christ, he told Paul, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles. Well, we know Paul's story that he was this strict Jew and, and raised in the, in the Hebrew faith and everything, but he also was Roman and he was a Gentile and how he pursued the the biblical uh, Jewish culture. But when he came to Christ, everything changed. I mean, he did a 180, and he started um, preaching uh, the very gospel that he persecuted the people who were preaching the gospel, and who he was wanting to put in prison. And so he had this radical change. And so he understands now that God is speaking prophetically, and God is saying, I'm going to deliver you, from the Gentiles and from the Jews because he was going to come under great persecution 
because they became a great proponent for Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God. And the Jews got mad at them because they were steeped in their religion and they missed Jesus the Messiah when he came. And the Gentiles were just in darkness and didn't like the Jews anyway. And so they were going to hate him and be haters of him because he brought a challenge to the way they lived because he, he brought the message of Jesus. And Jesus demands for us to make choices and, and changes. So he said, I'm going to deliver you from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes. And part of your inheritance in the kingdom of God is to open the eyes of the people around you and to pray for the people in your family who don't know Jesus because our life is short. The whole world is going its own way and people must have an opportunity to respond to the message. And part of your inheritance is taking the gospel to your friends and co-workers and the people around you because life is not eternal here. To open their eyes. He's going to send you to open their eyes. And the things that you're going to experience and the passions to start sweeping over you, the light that starts gleaming out of your eyes is going to be a powerful testimony to the people around you to hear the gospel and to hear about the inheritance you want to share with them. In order to turn them from darkness to light, if a person is without Jesus Christ, no matter how brilliant they are, no matter how much of a home uh, um, uh, a humanitarian they are, no matter how many good works they do, if they don't know Jesus, it's for nothing. So he wants to turn people from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to power of God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in Jesus. To turn them. You know, our first inheritance is receiving Jesus Christ, being born again, being alive and connected with God. That's our first inheritance. Forgiveness of sin. We have a guarantee for heaven that if we died, as soon as the moment we accepted Jesus, if we die, we're going to go to be with Jesus. Proof is, was the guy on the cross next to Jesus when he died? He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He's dying. What has he got to lose? Today you'll be with me in the kingdom. Boom. He's in heaven. He's been in there for 2,000 years, enjoying heaven. Didn't do a thing to earn it. In fact, he was mocking Jesus when they first nailed him. Hey, if you are the Son of God, get us down from this place. Come on, show your power. At the end, he was humbled by facing death and realized something's different about this guy, and so he accepts Jesus. You have nothing to lose when you accept Jesus Christ. So, he promises in this verse an inheritance. An inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Every person who believes in Jesus Christ starts this work of sanctification being set apart. God separates us. Sometimes he separates our, our friends. Sometimes he separates us from relationships. Sometimes he separates us from maybe even jobs or he changes priorities. Sometimes people start going to school or uh, sometimes people start going into a Bible college or ministry. He separates. He does something. That's that work of sanctification. He sets us apart. He starts dealing with certain sins in our life, separating us from those things because we have this conviction inside that the things that we're doing are not going to help us emotionally, spiritually, or mentally. So he separates us. That word sanctification, it's just cleaning you up. He's, he wants to clean you up. It's not bad. Inheritance has conditions. When you're going to get an inheritance, you have to follow 
the specific will of the person who left you something. And it takes your faith, and you have to obey the things that were commanded in the inheritance. And that is, for us, the message of the gospel in the New Testament, the letters that were written by Paul. Again, receiving inheritance come by obedience comes by the obedience to the will of God. I have to say, I was frustrated sometimes, as, even as a Christian. I've been following the Lord a long time, and I'm thinking, I'm going to go this way. I think, what about this girl? She's a Christian. No! Man, God, you're hard. Matthew Henry commentary on that verse. First, heaven is an inheritance. It descends to all the children of God. For if the children then heirs, that they may have a lot, alluding to the inheritance of Canaan, like the children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, they all were allotted land in, in the new territory. You know where the spies had gone in and the grapes were so big, two people had to carry one little cluster of grapes hanging on the vine. Everything was so abundant. So he was giving the people a, a lot, a place of inheritance, a portion. And that also is the act of God. The disposal thereof is the Lord, that they may have a right, so some read it, not by merit, but purely by grace. It is by grace of God we come to God through Jesus Christ. We're sinners. You know, some of us might think of our life, you know, I'm not that bad of a person. I haven't murdered anybody. You know, I'm, I'm obeying the laws. But the Bible says if we're born into this world and we don't know Jesus, we have the sins of Adam on us. And we simply come to Christ to have a new nature put on us and all the sin nature forgiven. Because Jesus went to the cross for the sins of the world. That we all might come through Jesus Christ and be born again and have eternal life. So that's a pretty good deal. But it's by grace. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough. You can't do enough um, social work or humanitarian deeds. I know a lot of people in my life who done so many humanitarian things. I know this guy was in church with us since I was a little kid. He worked every Saturday with us, building on the church and all kinds of stuff. My dad asked him one time, after working with him a long time, he goes, hey, do you believe in Jesus Christ? He goes, no. You know, I believe in just being a good person, and I've never been in the gutter or whatever. My dad was a little bit shocked. Man, you come to church every Sunday, you tithe, you give money, you, any project you volunteer to help, you're always here working at church with me, but you, you feel like you're good enough, you don't need, know Jesus, need Jesus? That was a little scary. Secondly, all that are effectually turned from sin to God are not only pardoned, but preferred, have not only their loss reversed, but a legal right of honor given to them and a grant of a rich inheritance. And the forgiveness of sins makes way for this inheritance by taking that out of the way which alone hindered us. Thirdly, all that shall be saved hereafter are sanctified now. So the moment you accept Jesus Christ, you're already transferred, seated in the heavenly kingdom. But the work of the Holy Spirit is ongoing, and what we have to do is keep identifying with the work, especially when He convicts us about something we're doing. Say, yes, I agree, this is wrong. Okay, Holy Spirit, change me. Change this thing. And what we do is keep submitting those things that we know are wrong and asking, believing, contending, and God delivers. And then we have another testimony how God delivered us. Okay, heavenly, 
Okay, those who have in heavenly inheritance must have it in this way. They must be prepared and made ready for it. None can be happy that are not holy, nor shall any be saints in heaven that are not first saints on earth. Again, that's that work of the Holy Spirit making us holy, purifying us, making us in right attitude and right relationship with God. That's why we're continually asking forgiveness. I had to ask forgiveness yesterday. Here I was here, Bruce, you probably could tell it. I was so mad at myself. I was so mad that I couldn't fix that sink. I was so angry. God, forgive me. I had to keep asking, God, forgive me for my attitude. Forgive me for not blaming you that you didn't fix the sink for me. An inheritance. By remission of sins, the removal of the guilt and pollution of sin, they become children of God. And if children, then heirs. For the children of a heavenly family shall alone possess the heavenly estate. That makes sense, huh? We had an earthly inheritance. Um, I think I got a lot of work from my inheritance, a lot of work ethic, and a lot of church work came from my father, my inheritance from my natural father. But in Christ, we have this heavenly estate, and we're just beginning, as we're reading the New Testament, reading the will, we're starting to get changed. We're just starting to understand what our inheritance is. But I tell you, when we get into heaven, we're going to be experiencing more of it as it unfolds. I don't know how you call eternity. Dean, you're always talking about there's no time in heaven. I don't know how eternity is going to be uh, felt by us in heaven. And as the inheritance is, as the inheritance is said to be among them that are sanctified, this is a further proof that signifies not only the forgiveness of sins, but also the purifications of the heart. So part of our inheritance is under this condition of having God, allowing God to clean us up and make us the way he wants us to be. The Lord forgives one's sins and wipes the record clean. Then he takes them into his own family as his own child and shares his inheritance with them. You know, sometimes we get in this place where we feel so down on ourselves and the enemy uses uh, our past or areas that we're still working on to beat us. But God looks at us like we're done. Ephesians says we're already seated in heavenly places. In his eyes, he just sees you righteous and pure and holy. You just have to believe that and keep surrendering to the work the Holy Spirit's doing. Uh, here's a cross-reference. That's Ephesians 1.11, which Dean read today that you, we have the spiritual inheritance. Paul reminds believers of our inheritance. In him, in Jesus Christ, also we have obtained an inheritance. Do you believe you've obtained an inheritance already? You have to believe that. Now you have to keep pursuing it, asking, what is it? being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. It's his purpose to give you an inheritance. He paid for your sins. Hey, he's a little pushy sometimes. I want you to accept me. I want you to receive the forgiveness of sins. He hound dogs us and he's after us. Like you heard me tell the story. God, will you just leave me alone? There's no place. I'm not going to be full time. Well, leave me alone. Two weeks later, I'm, I'm, they're sending us out to start a church. He was laughing at me. Good old God. 
Jesus dies, he, raises, he resurrects, and then he starts passing out inheritance. He's the, he's the best person who ever left an inheritance because he came back alive to appropriate it for us and to help us receive it. And he lives as an, as an attorney for us to intercede for us and to tell us what we need to do and to tell us how God's going to take care of us. My time is going too fast today. Prayer opens our eyes to inheritance. In Ephesians 1, 17-20, Paul's prayer for all who would believe, and that's us here today because of Paul, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. See, that's we are so thick because we're so connected in this life. We have to pray this prayer. We have to say, God, give me the knowledge and the revelation. Break through my little human human understanding. Break through so I have an understanding of what my inheritance is. Break through the distractions that come. You know, we can have this great time with God. We can get something in the Word. And then we're on the freeway fighting traffic. People are flipping us off, cutting us off. Our life is in danger. And we're thinking like, ah! God, give me the patience. Give me the wisdom. Speak to my life. I need the spirit of revelation and the knowledge of you. God, all these distractions that are going on, they're trying to distract me from you and what you're trying to say to me and my inheritance and what's for me. Oh, the need to provide for my family just to earn a dollar, to get a paycheck, to pay your bills so you can get a, go to work and buy gas to go to work again. The rat race all comes against the knowledge of God and the pursuit of God, and the revelation and the wisdom that God wants to give you, the hurriedness of our life, our phone. Sometimes you need to just turn your phone off or set it aside and sit there and say, God, I need to, to quiet down enough so I can hear what you want to say. I, it takes time to hear the revelation. It takes time to receive and understand the wisdom of God so that we can walk in the areas of God's blessing and the inheritance He has for us. The spirit of wisdom comes by revelation. Then the knowledge of him comes out of our experience. Because you're making choices out of what God's speaking to you. The wisdom he's giving you about situations. Yeah, I mean, he's giving me wisdom too. I took my old sink apart and looked at the old faucet washer and I thought, this is a totally different whole setup. It's a huge washer and the flat washer pushing it up in there is a big old fat piece of metal and my new one is plastic. Personal revelation is the key. We must experience God personally. And if you're in this dry place, you have to just get in your car, do something, and just say, God, okay, this is it. i got to have a fresh day with you. i got to have fresh revelation. Forgive me for being stagnant, forgive me for being, um, ignoring you, whatever it is. Ask for forgiveness and say, give me fresh revelation. God loves when you talk like this. Remember Jacob, he wrestled with God. Verse 18, being enlightened. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Ever had those moments where God, all of a sudden the light comes on and your, your problem looks smaller and you thought like, duh, it's that revelation. You can't do this on your own. I know some of you are brilliant. Some of you have these big college degrees and everything. Set it aside. Be stupid for a minute. It says when you're weak, that's when you become strong because you're now relying on God's wisdom. The world is telling you you have to have it all up here. Look at the world has it all up here, and they don't got anything together. It's a bigger mess than it ever is. You can have a big brain, a big degree, but get God have it all. Enlighten. The web says it being informed, aware, educated, knowledgeable, learned, wise. Why not get that from God too? 
have the world's knowledge and have God's. Sometimes you'll be throwing some of the, the natural knowledge out. Enlightened definition, to light, illumination. That's what happens connected with Jesus Christ. Um, the Greek lexicon, English lexicon says, to cause something to be fully known by revealing clearly and in some detail. Duh, how many need details about life? God promises that that spirit of knowledge and revelation is going to show you the details. The details. Man. Yeah, he did. Woke me up about two weeks before I met Dory and says, you're going to get married. Wow. Thank you for the details. I was more excited than when I met her, just knowing I was going to get married. Deuteronomy 8.18. This was, a, when we first got married, this is something God gave to me. And when me and Dory got married, we, we went into a parachurch for a year because we were, she was in Mold Ministries, and I work with Mold Ministries in the jail. And he said that we were at a Monday night meeting. This was that was our Sunday meeting because the on the Sundays all the Mold Ministries went into all the outreaches. So we had to do our Sunday on a Monday night. This is Deuteronomy eight eighteen. This is what God said to me in a Monday night meeting in nineteen eighty one. It is He who gives you power to get wealth that He may establish your covenant. And immediately I had the details of what that revelation meant. I told Dory right after that, I said, Dory, God is somehow going to give us money so that we can go full-time. And then from then on, I wondered off and on, are we ever going to be full-time? Are we going to? And then it happened in 99. Duh, I'm here. And the thing is, it took another nine years for God to fulfill that word. And did I try to do it? Oh, yeah, I was trying to do all the overtime it just wouldn't do it. But when we sold our house, it gave us money to buy our house so we were free from that debt. God has a way of, I mean, can not, come on, God's inheritance is worth it. Doing church, doing God, you can't beat it. It's not always going to be easy, but it's going to be a blessing. You know what, you guys, I can't believe it. I have to stop. Well, we do have four minutes. You know, David brought up an important part when he spoke about inheritance. He talked about meeting with God on the mountain, and he talked about Moses and Elijah, Jesus, and those disciples who had become friends of Jesus that were on the Mount of Transfiguration. You've got to have meetings with God. There has to be these, these times where God so connects with you he so comes to you that you walk out of those times and they're profound. And as crazy as my life's been, um, I had a meeting last Tuesday in my office where God just came to me. And it's one of those times it's like a, I'm like a camel. And when I connect, I am drinking that water and I'm just crying and feeling, God just filling my spirit, filling my heart. But then I know it's going to get tough again. And I tell you, it's been tough all week. But I tell you, you gotta, you got to let God come to you. you got to let God fill you. you got to let God come and fill. He fills places that we're trying to stick other things. Maybe you're trying to stick a new relationship into that place. And maybe you've tried a lot of relationships. Let God fill that place. And then you're, if you're supposed to have a relationship, you're going to have the right person, and you're going to flow together. And you're going to accomplish greater things because this world is temporal. Goals are all temporal here. 
God is eternal. Whatever you do here is going to transfer into the next life. And when you leave this life, you go with purpose.